Just six months from now, you and I could be heading to vote in a referendum, the country's first in more than two decades. But two of the country's biggest political parties, the Liberal Party and the Greens, are yet to publicly state their position on a voice to Parliament. Greens MPs and Senators are currently on a two-day policy retreat to hash out internal divisions on this issue. A new poll shows that the majority of Greens voters support the Yes campaign, a position also backed by many of the party's 16 members. But Greens First Nations spokeswoman Lydia Thorpe is threatening to vote no, arguing that a treaty should come first and branding the proposed voice to Parliament powerless. Joining me now is Senator Larissa Waters, the leader of the Greens in the Senate. Senator, welcome. Hello, Sarah. Good to talk. First of all, do you expect the party will reach a united position on the referendum question by the end of this retreat? Uh, Look, we're still in active discussions on this issue and we're still in productive discussions with the government to try to get progress on all elements of that seminal Uluru statement from the heart. We need to see progress on truth-telling and treaty as well as on voice and I'm very pleased that we are making some ground We've had a commitment now from the government that they will put some funding towards a truth-telling and treaty process, uh, that there will now be... uh, There's a commitment now for real-time reporting of deaths in custody, and people will know that there's those two important Royal Commission reports about deaths in custody and about the stolen generation that have excellent recommendations that, frankly, have gathered dust for decades. So those are the sorts of issues that we are very keen to see the government work on and deliver on, and that's the context of the discussions that we're having. Sure, but we're days out from the first sitting days of federal parliament for 2023. Would you expect to have some sort of Greens position on a voice to parliament by the time that the first sitting day occurs? Well, we're still waiting on some information from government. In particular, we're seeking some clarity that sovereignty won't be affected in any way by having an Indigenous voice to Parliament, and that's a very important issue um, for us to have confirmed. So we're we're still waiting on that information. But, of course, what's happened today, which is the thing that I've been focused on, is the uh, disclosure of the big money influence on politics. Today's the day when the donations data gets revealed publicly, and as the democracy spokesperson, I've been uh, combing through the figures, and they're not pretty... We've got $241 million in donations um, in that election year of 21 to 22 that have flown into uh, the pockets of the big parties. A lot of that is from the fossil fuel sector. A lot of that is from big gas companies Mm. who, unsurprisingly, are now seeking to get policies that benefit their private profits. And having a bit of a look at the draft safeguard mechanism from the government, which is meant to implement their climate policies, it lets new coal and gas go ahead. I will get into those donations disclosures with you in a second. I am very keen to ask you about those. But you mentioned assurances that the voice to Parliament would not have any impact on sovereignty. On Monday night on Q&A, uh, Greens First Nations spokeswoman Lydia Thorpe said she wanted assurance either written in law or into the Constitution that a proposed voice would not impact on sovereignty. Do you back that call? Is that what it's going to take? We are seeking an assurance that we can have confidence in that sovereignty won't be affected in any way. Written in law? Well, we're waiting on government's advice and once we have that information, then we can um, consider it further. They know that we need that assurance and we're, we're waiting for that. 
Is it possible that Lydia Thorpe would dissent from the rest of uh, the Greens MPs on this issue? She's been very clear about her reservations about a voice to Parliament. Is it possible that most of the Greens MPs would come down supporting yes and Senator Thorpe would say that uh, she, she supports a no vote? Well, I'm not going to speculate on that because we are still waiting for those uh, pieces of information to come. We are still in those good, productive discussions and we are still trying to get First Nations justice. We are still trying to get outcomes on truth-telling and treaty and action on deaths in custody and action on stolen generations. We are still seeking to advance Indigenous justice as much as we possibly can. Do you agree with Lydia Thorpe's call for a treaty first before a referendum on a voice to Parliament? Well, I'm not sure that's exactly what uh, Lydia has said. She said, uh, like the rest of the Greens, that we want to see progress on all elements of the Uluru Statement. And that's, that's what we're waiting to hear from government. Well, she does say that nothing is going to change by an advisory body, meaning the voice to Parliament, and she wants to see a treaty. Do you think that is where the emphasis should be put on treaty, not a voice? As I said, we really need progress on all three of those things. You can't solve the fact that we have uh, far too many Indigenous kids in custody, that we still have kids being removed from their families, that we still have a desperate shortage of housing. You can't solve those issues with one response alone. We need action on all of those elements. We need action on those Royal Commission recommendations. And I hope that Labor has the courage to progress all three elements of the Uluru Statement. Some of your other colleagues have advanced their personal views on the referendum on a voice to Parliament. Senator Sarah Hanson-Young has said that she supports uh, such a voice. What is your personal view? Are you a supporter of a voice to Parliament? Well, I'd like to see action on all of those elements. And I'm trying not to be tricksy here, Sarah, but we're still in those discussions with government, with our party room. And my firm view is that we should see progress on all of them. Labor shouldn't just be picking favourites and ignoring the others. So, you know, the jury's out. But a Resolve Political Monitor poll published in the Sydney Morning Herald found that support amongst Greens voters, amongst your voters, um, for The Voice at 87%, 87% of your voters want the Greens to vote yes. How long can you string them out and how long can they wait for you to form a position on this? Well, as I said, we are waiting on the government to give us assurance that that sovereignty will not be affected in any way um, by the establishment of a First Nations voice to Parliament, and we are wanting to see further progress towards truth-telling and treaty. So I'm afraid that the timeframes are not entirely up to us. We're we're, we're in the balance of power in the Senate, but we also have a majority Labor government in the lower house. So we are having those discussions and um, I'm hopeful of a, of a positive outcome. If you've just tuned in, Senator Larissa Waters is talking about the Greens' position on the voice to Parliament and also the latest political donations data here on RN Drive. Moving on to that political donations data, the latest data dump from the Electoral Commission shows that Clive Palmer's mineralogy was the biggest donor to political parties, pouring $116 million into the coffers of his United Australia party. That spend delivered just one Senate seat in Victoria. Now, you've come out very strong on political donations today. You've said this is buying democracy, but is that overstating the case, given that his mammoth spend only resulted in one seat? 
Well, certainly he had a lot of money to splash around, and you're right that it didn't tend to buy him terribly much for his own political party. But arguably, he's bought policies that suit his corporate profits quite nicely, as has the rest of the fossil fuel sector and many of the big corporates. These folk aren't just donating because they like democracy or they think it's you know the right thing to do. They're donating because it gets results. And looking through the figures that have just been released today, even though some of those donations are a good 20 months old, there's that big lag time to start with. There's an awful lot of dough there from big corporates who buy outcomes that suit them and they buy access. And it means that ordinary people feel and have a legitimate reason to feel like somehow they're less important in this democracy and their opinion uh, and their quality of life doesn't count. And when you've got $241 million in big money flowing into big political parties, it's no wonder that we've had pretty weak climate laws, pretty weak environmental protection laws, um, a real delay on any financial sector reform. You just, it draws the conclusion in the ordinary person's mind that um, policy is to sale and that democracy is to sale. And that's such a damaging thing. And it's something that should be fixed. And we think, and we've pushed for this for a long time now, that we've got to get the influence of big money right out of politics. doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a person, whether you're um, a grouping, of, uh, an organisation, a corporate, you shouldn't be able to give more than $1,000 a year to the political party that, whose values you support. Um, that's constitutional in that you, know, you can't ban donations from everyone, but it's not enough, we hope, to buy influence on policy outcomes. And that's, that's what a representative democracy should do. It should represent the people, not the highest bidder. Well, speaking of buying influence, your party received more than $200,000 from a single individual alone in Queensland, Duncan Turpey. Why are you not practising what you preach on political donations? Well, we've been seeking to reform the electoral laws for quite some time now, Sarah, and we live in hope that this time around, with Greens in the balance of power in the Senate, and a Labor government who've sent some signals that they're keen for reform in this area, we are really hopeful of changing the rules so that big donations, including um, from, from individuals, can't be made in future. But why not refuse that donation then? If you don't agree with the fact of the size of the donation, why not refuse it? Well, sadly, because unless we have more Greens in Parliament, there'll be no one pushing to reform donations laws. So it's a vexed situation, uh, but that's why we want to work with the new government to reform these laws so that big money can't buy outcomes and buy influence and so that elections don't need to rely on private fundraising. Do you think you would have won your record number of federal seats, particularly in Brisbane, without the political donations you received at the last election? Well, I think the strength of our campaign um, just gone with the sheer number of volunteers that we had. So I think it was our people power that worked for us. Um, I think that's the sort of election campaign that should work because it means you're actually talking to people at their doorstop or at the local market and you're hearing directly what it is that they're concerned about. So I think that's a good model of democracy and it's one that I would hope that we can see more of by all parties if we remove that big money driver from the system. Senator Larissa Waters, thank you for your time. Thanks, Sarah. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.